Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. My guests today are Pauline Page, construction lawyer, and Ruby Delal, a commercial property lawyer at law firm Withers. Both are partners at the firm and join me today to reflect on their professional journeys and on real estate as an area of professional practice. Pauline and Ruby, thank you so much for sparing some time to come and chat to me today. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I wonder if we can perhaps start by you just telling me what appealed to you about a career in law and how you went about first approaching it. I guess for me, I have always been quite an argumentative person. And I actually really like the analytical thinking and also knowing what the rules are and applying to fact situation. And I think that really makes me feel quite logical about things and that what attracts me to law initially. And then I started looking, well, what law is available? At first, I thought about, oh, something in the finance space or in projects, but then I want something really tangible that I can see, I can touch. And gradually, I just fell in love with buildings and real estate. I still feel buildings is such an important part of our lives to the fabric of society. So that's how I become a construction lawyer. In terms of myself, like Pauline, I think I have an innate love of a good old debate. Um, and uh, that was one of the uh, attractions for me at a very early age um, when I was considering a career in law. Also hugely enjoyed English and reading, which uh, there's a lot of in this profession. And as my studying developed um, and I started to learn about the different practice areas of law, property was one which really I found had a, had a huge interest in it because, again, as Pauline said, the tangible aspect, being able to walk around the properties and, and feel and, and see them. And, and also, I think it's one of the industries that has a huge people's person aspect to it. And I really, really enjoyed that and very much enjoyed being able to interact with the clients, the agents, the, the different people that are involved in, in the property industry. Yeah. So you mentioned that tangible aspect to it and, and the, the sort of people nature of it. How have you found it since actually moving into that area of practice? Has it met all of your expectations in, in terms of what first appealed to you about it? For me, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I love doing if I am acting in relation to, for example, an acquisition of a property for a client is being able to do a site visit. I don't think that you can have anything more valuable in, in those first few days of receiving that instruction than going around the property, you know, hopefully meeting the client or certainly the agents and some of the advisors involved in the project, being able to walk around the building and, and see for yourself how those plans come to life that you've been looking at and how you know, that the documents and the title, for example, um, fold out in front of you um, when you're walking around. And so it's it's definitely more than exceeded my expectations in that respect. That's one of my favourite things to do. And then, of course, the satisfaction of being able to walk past the building when you've completed that transaction. Quite often, a lot of the deals that we do are in, in central London. And so very often you'll walk past a street or a building and say, you know, I, I had a part to play in that project. And, and that's a real, um, a real joy. Absolutely. And also, I think it is something that when you look back at your career, I think you can still remember all the different projects or all the different buildings in the cities or in whatever area that you worked on that really give you, I think, a sense of contribution in some ways um, to the industry. You've obviously both been very successful in your careers. You've both made partnership. 
tell me a little bit about the the challenges that you faced along the way. How hard has that journey been to get to where you are now? I think when I first started in the industry, I've been told that, and I still agree with it, that people skills, uh, technical skills and commercial skills are the three things that are most important. I think when I started off as a lawyer, obviously we need to get our technical skills up. But as we, I think, developed more into our career journey, it's very much about the people skills. And now more than ever, I think the commercial skills. One thing that is we are going to a period of time where we're relying a lot on technology, on AI. So understanding the commercial drivers, understanding where your clients want to be is so, so, so important because these technologies are constantly changing and it presents unique challenges and also in a way that we hadn't dealt with before. So I think we're constantly asked to go out of your comfort zone or think outside of the box. And therefore, I think the ability to think laterally and flexibly, having an open mind is very, very important. Would you agree with that, Ruby? Absolutely. I think the law is evolving and changing to take into account our ever-changing world around us. As Pauline said, you know, the interplay of technology um, in not only what we do here, but also for our clients and their businesses, it plays such a huge part in what we do. And I think in terms of going back to the question about a career in the law, I actually think that now there's so much opportunity to be innovative in terms of the type of lawyer that you are and and the type of practice area that you're interested in. I I do really think that there's a huge amount of opportunity to to be diverse and explore different angles um, rather than your potentially previously more traditional um, aspects of law. And I think it also goes into collaborations as well, because we now work across departments so very, very well. You know, we often work with the tech department and um, you know in other areas of the client's needs so I think it also allows for practices to be much more um, integrated present as a one firm you know one service platform for the client really. And I think actually in terms of integration as, as Pauline's touched on that integration doesn't just apply across departments and across services of the firm but actually also countries um, you know we are incredibly seamless here at Withers um, in terms of how we liaise with our international colleagues and, and this was one of the main things that attracted me to the firm was how international Withers is and they do that incredibly well I don't think a single day goes by that I don't speak to a colleague in a different country you know our clients have very much global needs and we are able to facilitate those Um, and in that you know you you have to be mindful of different cultures and different ways of doing things and obviously there are different laws across across the countries but essentially we are looking at a platform now that is a global platform and it matches what the needs of our client are. I'm interested in in your comments around the sort of evolving skill set as technology sort of progresses. I mean, tell me a little bit about the technology and AI piece, specifically in the real estate context. I mean, how do you see it transforming a legal practice within the sector? Can you give me some examples of types of areas where you see it evolving and where you see the main benefits for your client base? 
So other than um, the typical construction contracts that I deal with, I also deal a lot with, say, servicing maintenance of an asset. So historically, and in fact, still for many projects, I think maintenance and monitoring is still very much a manual process. But now with the proliferation of drones or virtual reality, these technologies are actually being used for monitoring inspections or maintenance purposes. So you can immediately see uh, the benefits uh, of it because they obviously with technology you can cover a much greater scale uh, in terms of achieving the output. And also drones can get into areas where would arguably be dangerous for human. But despite all these benefits, there are also huge implications on the legal side as well, how you actually take into account the law applicable to drones. As we know, I think drones can be quite sensitive technology as well. So I think all these needs to be thought through and taken into consideration. But it's just one of the areas where we are progressing with the technology. The law needs to reflect that. The drafting, the understanding, we all need to progress in the same direction in order to make it work. And in terms of a slightly different angle, you know, how technology is progressing the way in which we are working as lawyers, you know, I was saying to Pauline um, before before this um, meeting, just only at the beginning of my career, the way in which you would receive a, a sale pack if you were acquiring a property for your client was that a, a courier delivery would come with boxes and boxes of paper files. And, you know, your job as a trainee, if you're preparing those to go out, would be putting together the bundles and putting them in the, the documents in the tabs and making sure that the plans were colour coded correctly. And, you know, now, the way that we do deals is just completely transformed. If you are if you're sending somebody a sale pack, it's a link to a data room, which they will receive in seconds, which you can then share with your clients and the surveyors and the construction team. And everybody's working on the same page without having to, you know, photocopy bundles and bundles of documents. You're able to share things electronically, for example, platforms like Orbital Witness, where you can look at properties with your clients online on the computer, look at how the titles play into one another look at you know whether the properties are but the public highway and you know just look at things and spot things that you may not be able to from a piece of paper and so again platforms like DocuSign hugely important for our client base who as I mentioned are incredibly international so being able to get things signed instantly by our clients who are based overseas in Hong Kong, Singapore, Asia, India, um, you know Middle East it's incredible that the use of technology in that sense is absolutely dramatically transform the way in which we do deals. In particular with construction contracts as well, I still remember the days where I had to learn how to fold the plans Mm -hmm. so that they can actually be bound together and you can still open the plans. And one of the skill sets that you learned as a construction trainee, folding hundreds of plans into um, a single contract. And then when you're ready, you literally book a truck to track it over to the other side for signing. Whereas now it's such small document, where is the link to the data room or where is the um, USB sticks? It's completely different. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very um, impressive. Yeah. The technology has obviously evolved during the course of both of your careers and I guess is impacting heavily on on the sort of skill set and the way in which you liaise with clients and so on over deals. Another area that's obviously risen in prominence is the ESG agenda. Tell me a little bit about how that's shaped your work. Well, sustainability is 
definitely a highly uh, important area now for the construction industry. I think it affects all aspects of a construction project. So from inception to design to the use and selection of material, how you carry out the construction process, especially how efficiently you can use energy. And then when it comes to waste and byproducts and decommissioning. So I think what I'm seeing a lot is also that um, many of our commercial clients wants to ensure that the business actually runs on renewable energy or at least have access to green energy. And therefore, a typical construction contract for a commercial client is not necessarily just doing the building itself or doing up what is required internal space, but also to have the ability to uh, incorporate sustainability into the long term use of the building and making it more attractive for shareholders, for interested third parties. I think it's slightly more long term in terms of how they actually see their business going. I definitely agree with that. It's very much a long-term play here. So I do a lot of work on the investment side. So I'm acting for clients who are investing into into UK real estate across all asset classes. And one of the things that, you know, the clients are very mindful of are, you know, the, the provisions in the leases in relation to green clauses. Um, but one of the things which is very interesting to see is actually the amount of collaboration going on between, for example, landlords and tenants in relation to, you know, the energy efficiency of the buildings. Like we you know, recently acquired a, a property for a client and they're going through an exercise now um, post acquisition where they're meeting with each tenant to sit down and discuss with them the energy efficiency of their relevant unit and what works need to be carried out to that unit to bring the the rating up and how they can work together over the next you know five to seven years and what markers need to be hit in that time frame and also how that interplays with the lease renewal process so you know I'm very um, enthused to see that there's a real collaborative approach in that respect between landlords and tenants and it's very much at the forefront of their mind and you know that's from an investment perspective but again if you look at ESG from the social perspective I think it's absolutely fascinating to see for example um, the the change in which office space is being used businesses now changing the way in which they're providing that space to to their employees I've seen quite a lot of office space transform in terms of taking out some desks and actually putting in things like pool tables and and a, a more social area because they want to attract the staff back into the office you know away from working from home and achieve a more balanced lifestyle in terms of the office space is now not just somewhere where you come in to plug in your laptop and sit and just focus on your work but it's actually a space to meet your colleagues and socialize have um, you know support and uh, supervision but also um, your well-being your emotional support and reconnections with your colleagues and so looking at the way in which a lot of businesses are changing their own space um, to take into account of other aspects of ESG is really fascinating. With this evolving landscape to what extent have you seen the law evolve to support some of these new practices and technologies and emerging agendas? I think from a construction perspective, the law is always a little bit reactive. And obviously, we've got, you know, the MIRS requirements so that, you know, the rating B needs to be achieved um, before 2030. And therefore, I think this is one of the areas that perhaps better clarity could have been given to the industry. Uh, very much, I think we focus on Uh, safety in construction and I think it is absolutely right to do that 
But then in terms of sustainability or ESG, I don't think the same amount of effort has been put into the, I think the, the legal framework. I think it will benefit from it, although I'm also very encouraged to see that actually clients are doing it on their own initiatives. Perhaps also is also driven by the demand from their shareholders and actually what is required by the customers as well. So it is actually a bit of a balance. But overall, I think if we continue to promote this from an educational perspective, I'm sure that changes will be made. Something else that's had a profound impact on professional life was obviously the the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about how your practices have evolved post-pandemic and and really what the post-COVID workplace looks like for you now. I think for Withers, we actually are quite lucky in that even before the pandemic, way before the pandemic, we've accepted and learned to do things remotely. So remote working is very much with us ways of working because we recognise the benefit of allowing people to choose you know, how they work and where they work. So I think basically we invested in set up technologies that allows that to happen for a long time. So when actually when we were affected by the pandemic, um, we're not so shocked by it because that has been how we've worked. But obviously, I think it presents challenges in terms of sometimes training juniors or liaising with colleagues. So regularly, we do have quite a lot of physical meetings to make sure that we don't lose touch and we need to make communications clearer and we need to find ways to connect as well. So a lot of the times outside of um, just coming into the office, we do have a lot of social events to make sure that you know people actually connected to each other um, through other ways so that we feel we do actually know our colleagues as well. Because some of the interactions can only exist when you've spent quite a bit of time with each other and without spending time in the office with each other we lose that so we need to find ways to make sure that you know we actually still have that connection and do spend time together but from an efficiency perspective I think we totally do not have a problem with that at all. I think it's definitely a game changer um, you know post-pandemic in terms of being able to have a more of a work-life balance um, and by that not necessarily working less but just I suppose spending the amount of time that you would spend in travelling and being able to invest that either into to working and being more efficient at home or you know more time doing things around the house or spending time with family and children so I think that definitely the work-life balance um, that we have here is is fantastic and I think as, as Pauline said we're very mindful of the support that we want to give to our junior team in particular and um, to making sure that we are you know buddying up with them we have uh, various uh, mentoring programs um, throughout the firm which uh, you know we can sign up to and I think that's really helpful in them making them feel supported um, which is crucial and and again you know as, as Pauline said on the social side of things we make a real effort to get together as a team regularly and to go out for a drink and you know or, or some lunch and just just catch up and see how each other are and just chat about you know what's going on in life things that you wouldn't necessarily speak about in the middle of a conference call or you know if you had a meeting um, on teams to talk about a particular matter. Ruby you mentioned mentoring there and the ability of people to be able to sign up for schemes and so on to what extent have you benefited from that throughout the course of your career how important has that been? 
think it's been hugely important. I mean, um, you know, I've recently joined with us. So I was at a, a previous firm where I had a similar sort of mentoring scheme available. And I think it's very beneficial. Generally, the purpose of a mentoring scheme is not necessarily to be paired up with your direct supervisor, the person you know who you work most with or the people who you work most with, but actually somebody outside of that team. And I think that that can be quite useful to an extent, having that slightly arm's length perspective in relation to your career, in relation to you know where, where you want things to move forward and how you can best achieve that. Um, so yeah, I've had a, some very useful sort of mentor type roles um, throughout my career. And I, and I feel like it's been an excellent sounding board um, to get a bit of perspective if, if you need it and, and just generally to have a chat, um, you know, when, when you feel like you want to have one. And just in terms of navigating work-life balance, I mean, you mentioned as well the ability now to be able to perhaps spend um, more time with family and so on. How have you managed to balance some of those competing demands as you built up your career? This is always uh, a bit of a difficult one, I guess, because both Ruby and I have young families and then juggling work and then with uh, home life is not easy. But I think resilience is really, really important because um, on a daily basis, you have to make decisions, sometimes very difficult decisions. And you have to go through ups and downs, challenges or deal with potentially difficult people. I think what really helps to progress is actually not losing your focus and having the right people around you to support you is so important. I think like Ruby said, having a mentor to even give you that peace of mind that if you do need someone to talk to or to have a sounding board, you can always go to that person um, you know, confidentially is very, very helpful. Um, I think there is a famous quote that says you know, the road to, con- to success is uh, always under construction. I think it's so true in many ways because the world is constantly changing and the demands are ever increasing. I feel like sometimes we are always catching up on things rather than you know, being able to truly sit down and enjoy what we're doing. But this is also really important, I think, to try to enjoy your journey uh, to wherever you want to get to. I mean, life is too short. I really enjoy being a lawyer and a construction lawyer. And to date, I still do. And I still think this is the main thing that helps me continue and carry forward. So I do think enjoyment is really important. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. It's vital because ultimately, you know, you are juggling effectively actually two jobs, you know, having a young family, doing a full time job like this. And and if you don't enjoy the role, then I think that's at the point where, you know, you wouldn't have the motivation to put in the hard work. And, you know, undeniably, it's, it is hard work um, to juggle that. And so I think it's important to take stock of what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and enjoy that journey. In terms of the other things that I think are crucial with coping is is absolutely master organisation skills. You know, you have to be incredibly organised on both fronts all the time, um, but also to have supportive colleagues. You know, we, we are very blessed in that sense. We've got a huge number of supportive colleagues, you know, a lot of people around us who are also juggling families at all levels, not just partnership, you know, all levels. And so, you know, everybody understands um, the challenges that we face and and genuinely everybody's working together for a happy um, lifestyle. And so I think that makes a, you know, a good working place and, and a success overall for everybody. 
I mean, you both reference enjoyment there. What are the things that you most enjoy about a career in property? You know, what what really gets you out of bed in the morning when you're thinking about the day ahead and, you know, some of the things that are going to come across your desk? I mean, I'm a transactional lawyer. So for me, it has to be, you know, doing the deal. I love, you know, getting the deal done. So you've, you know, you've just been instructed on a new acquisition or a new exciting deal, you know, for a client and and that kind of drive to get that over the line. Quite often we work in very short time scale, sometimes as short as five or 10 days to, you know, get get something through from receipt of papers to exchange or completion and so that kind of all hands to the pump you know real teamwork and and again that's something that I love about our roles it's real teamwork I'll often work with Pauline and other colleagues on deal and just everybody inputting and and working towards the same common goal to get it over the line for the client and then of course that sort of adrenaline when when you do that. Yeah I think I find it also very interesting and obviously very enjoyable to see some of the innovative things that the clients are looking to achieve. For example, they often have rooftop solar or connect to some um, renewable sources for their long-term business use and also having some new technologies brought in. So I think all these are actually really important contributions to, I think, the, to, to the society, really, on all the topics that we just talked about, sustainability and using technologies. And tell me a little bit then about the advice that you would have for anyone wanting to get into either property law more generally or or specialising either in construction or real estate transactional law. What things would you, you highlight to them? I think um, from, well, either a property or a law perspective, really either, I think it's really important to network and grow your network from a very early age or a very early stage, um, I should say, in your career, because that peer group really does grow and progress with you. Um, And so I would definitely advise people to start that, you know, as soon as possible. Um, It's never too soon within the industry, within people in in parallel industries. You know, I just think that growing your network as soon as you can is, is definitely something which will help you in the long run. I also think I totally agree with that. And I also think having people that's helpful to your career development around you, identifying your allies, identify colleagues who are supportive of you is also very, very important. Being surrounded by the right people with the right mindset will help you go forward. Um, Like I said, I think a lot of resilience is required and you're constantly faced with challenging situations. So you can help yourself by, you know, being in the right place with the right people around you to give you the support that is required. Any final thought for anyone wanting to develop a a career in property? I mean, you you mentioned the networking and never too soon to get started on that. But if there was one thing that someone could do today to, to get themselves a good steady foot up that ladder on a career to property, what would you say? I really think that, you know, construction real estate is a really nice area to be in because you can actually generally see and feel uh, the success of your hard work. It can be quite challenging at times and difficult and you have to constantly evolve and learn with the industry. But I think it is overall something that you will really enjoy. I guess also because from the perspective of, you know, making a contribution to the society, I I still think that something as tangible as buildings, as a space that you work and live in and work in, it's something that is so real and so helpful and reminds you how important 
you know, the, the contribution, important contributions you've made. I think that really helps you feel positive about where you're going. And I think, you know, from my end, just to add to that, it, you know, it, it doesn't go without hard work, you know, being in the law, it being in property, like any industry. But I genuinely believe that, you know, if you put the hard work in, it does pay dividends. Um, and so I think roll your sleeves up, be ready to get stuck in, make sure that you're on top of your market knowledge and that you understand what's going on in the industry. As we've discussed, there's so much change. Um, so, you know, be on top of what's happening and yeah, just be out there meeting people. Pauline, Ruby, thank you very much indeed for joining me today and spending the time just to give your thoughts on the industry. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and EGI at egi.co.uk.